Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers from the same mother, giving their fantasy takes, analysis, and insight to the game of football. I am one of the hosts. I am Derek. I am the younger brother. And as always, I am here with the big bro, Daryl. Daryl, my brother, we are here to Super Bowl week. We're here for the big game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. How's it going out there? Man, things are things are excellent. The day draws near. I'm thinking this is going to be like one of the better Super Bowls um, of my lifetime. Bruh, I can't wait for this. I, I can't wait to to be honest. Like, um, now watch me say that, and it ends up like some some dumb shit happens and. It sends the game off the rails. But if everything, you know, if everything plays out the way you're thinking, like I, we might be in for a barn burner and I legit can't wait to see it. Absolutely. I'm excited for this game too. We got the two one seeds from East side. So supposedly the best two teams um, in each conference. So yeah, I'm ready for the battle. Mahomes versus Hertz. Bring it on. No black on black crime. (laughs) little bit little bit so today's episode we're going to continue covering the running backs during our remember the time Um, shout out to michael jackson on that song we're going to be looking at running backs 13 through 24 and then any other running backs that uh we had any interesting notes or nuggets on outside of that and then we'll dive into the big game talk about the spread over under and possibly any other props that might tickle our fancy, if you will. So let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into these running backs. We'll start with running back 13. That was Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders on the season had 248 rushing attempts, 1,236 yards, 11 touchdowns, also had 20 receptions for 78 yards. Daryl, talk to me about Miles Sanders at 13. Right. So, yeah, running back 13 and, you know, just what a great pick he ended up being in, in drafts, you know. His ADP was at, like, pick 83, which had him at RB30 on the year. So to get a running back 13 finish, you know, a borderline RB1 finish out of, out of that pick, that's that, that's pretty amazing. You know, you were looking at – taking him um, late seventh, early eighth round pick. So, you know, that's that's firmly in the dead zone, uh, as they say. And um, he was one of the he was one of the guys that kind of emerged from from the dead zone. I think um, I think a lot of that was on the back of that Philly offense just being such a such a juggernaut this year. Um, But, you know, yeah, he he still got there. so like at the ADP he was going at, you know, he was he was likely on many people's rosters as like a flex or um or like an RB2. And so to have the best RB2 you could have at RB2 or um or at your flex, like that's that's a that's a huge, huge win. Um I went and did some digging into his numbers and I was a little surprised to see. He averaged 17.1 opportunities a game. Um, that's 15 and a half. Yeah, that's 15 and a half rushing attempts and 1.6 targets. You know, he was 
Um, you know, if you remember back to the year, yeah, he was a little light as far as the work he got in the passing game, but 15 and a half rushing attempts, you'll, man, you'll, you'll take that all day, especially out of somebody that you drafted in the seventh, eighth round. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was very, that was kind of shocking to me just, just to look at his, um, his underlying numbers and, um, just, just a few other little little tidbits I, I kind of uncovered was that he ended the season eighth in running back rush share, seventh in rushing TDs with 11, and fourth in total running back rushing attempts. So, like, he got – he was a bully in their rushing game. It, 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 he, he really was. And, you know, even though Jalen Hurts was eating in the rushing game, even though they'd work in – Gainwell and Boston Scott, especially on um, on obvious passing situations, you know, he put up a very very solid year, and he he could have been on the um, on the ones we should have discussed as far as um, as far as value picks for what he ended up being. Like it kind of, you know, my my bad on that, but yeah, that that kind of escaped me just how good of a year and just how good a usage he had on the year. So. Yeah, man, Miles Sanders did big things. Like l- looking at things going forward, he's due to be a free agent um, in the offseason. So, you know, things are things aren't exactly clear about his outlook for next year. But for what he put on paper this year, this guy, uh, if he lands in the right situation, man, he's going to be one to look out for next year. That, that's for damn sure. Agreed on that. My notes on Miles Sanders is this. He was listening to dreams and nightmares out there in Philly because he used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. My man, his first first three seasons had nine touchdowns, and that included last season where he had zero. This year, 11, 11 rushing touchdowns, bro. You kidding me? The thing is... Yeah. <laughs> the thing is with with that kind of production like like you mentioned with 15 rushing attempts on any on any roster you have like you would want that on your team. 12 12 team PPR league. You want you want that kind of running back on your team as a running back too um and love it at flex. But then you have those 15 attempts in this type of offense like yeah, he smashed his ADP and going into next season, assuming if they do happen to re-sign him, I don't know if they will or won't, he definitely is going to be what, if he stays with Philly, all things not changing, probably a top 15 back probably, you would think? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure he'd be drafted as, as such. I don't imagine yeah. him getting uh, getting out of the third round. You know, you'll probably, like in the place where you were maybe drafting Fournette, this year or James Conner, you know, this year, he'll he'll probably slide up in there somewhere. Yep. And I mean, no matter what, there's going to be Gainwell or Scott or if there's some other running backs, they're going to factor in on this team. But again, if you're getting 15 attempts in this offense, you want that on your roster. Yeah. Let's go to the next offense, man. I'm just saying that, that, that Philly offense, that was truly the tide that raised all ships, man. Absolutely. Let's go to the next running back at number 14. That was Najee Harris. Najee Harris had 954 rushing yards 
on 249 attempts with six touchdowns, saw 40 receptions for 219 yards and had three touchdowns there. Talk to me about Najee. Well, I don't think it's, you know, controversial or out of bounds to say that this season was a disappointment from him, you know, and it was very nearly a disaster. Um, Over the first half of the season, he was RB23, averaging 10.9 points per game. Over the second half, you know, that went up to, you know, he moved up to RB10, averaging 15.3 points a game. This was a guy who you were having to draft. His ADP was like eighth overall. Eighth overall, and over the first half of the season, he's not even getting you 11 points a game. Yeah. And that's, that is disaster city. I faded, I, I faded him and Derrick Henry um, in pretty much every draft that I had. Like, I probably did like 30, 30, somewhere between 30 and 40 best balls. And I had each of them on one team. And like, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, I, I could have stand to have a little bit more exposure to him, but I feel very good about uh, about having faded Najee during, uh, <laughs> during draft season. You know, I think the thing that really kind of kneecapped him this year, in uh, in 2021, he's, he had 94 targets. And I believe, like, one of those games with Big Ben, he saw he saw damn near 20 targets. If it wasn't 20 targets, you know, um, I, I, I remember that. But this year, he only had 52 targets for the whole year. Like, that's, you know, it makes sense that given that kind of, uh, given that kind of drop off in his participation in the past game, his, um, his numbers are going to go down. Over the first half of the season, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry. He ended Jeez. up the season, he ended up the season with 3.8 yards per carry. So, you know, over the second half, he picked it up some, but he still wasn't, you know, even over that second half, he still wasn't a guy who repaid your eighth overall pick in the draft um, kind of thing. And and after probably the first three, four weeks of the season, you probably had a hard time trading him. Um, So, yeah, just just overall, not really a great season from him, like very, very disappointing outlook for next year. It's it's not as murky as some because you know he's he's due to be back in Philadelphia, excuse me, in Pittsburgh. But the problem is, you know, they're running it back with the same offensive coordinator. Something's gonna have to either there's gonna have to be some shakeup in the way they call those plays, or Kenny Pickett's gonna have to take a step forward. Like something new is gonna have to be done, or else I'm afraid they're gonna he's gonna find himself like back in this same. Uh, in the same boat, you know, maybe he could shift it to where the second half of his season this year becomes his whole season next year. That's kind of a best case scenario, the way I'm looking at that offense this year, because that offense has been in the mud for years now. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I won't be too excited to, to be drafting him anywhere, anywhere North of like the fifth round next year. But, but yeah, that's, wow. those, those are kind of my nausea thoughts. Menage. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the thing with Najee is that he he just has so many opportunities and he opportunity his way to this finish. Um 
as an actual running back, there wasn't a whole lot of big rushing plays uh, coming from him. And the main downfall, like you mentioned, was that he wasn't seeing nearly as much um, in the passing game as far as targets like he did last year with Big Ben. And I'm fully in step with you, like at least now with the current information that we have, you know, I'm not looking at him in rounds one or two or or three for a running back there. Um, maybe I'll I'll take a peek at round four, just depending around what's there. But yeah, you you just can't see him in that same light that you came into this season looking at drafting him as like it's not it's not there. <laughs> Yeah, and you got to imagine Jalen Warren is kind of, you know, made enough of an impression to start the season off with, you know, get, getting a decent work share himself. So, yeah. Well said. We go to the next running back. That is Jamal Williams. 246 carries, 994 yards, 15 touchdowns. 12 receptions, 73 yards. And while we're here, we'll also mention DeAndre Swift because he is in the top 24 as well, sitting at 24, 93 attempts, 517 yards with five rushing touchdowns, 41 receptions, 328 yards, and three touchdowns. Darrell, before I turn it over to you, it's time to wax poetic on Jamal Williams. Let's go, wax on. I actually said Jamal Williams had 15 touchdowns. He actually had 17 American football touchdowns because he had two touchdowns in week 18. Again, we don't care about it for fantasy, but we care about it for this wax poetic segment because he had those two touchdowns, including a game winning touchdown to send his former team home. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Four top five performances. He came into the season as RB52 during draft season. Folks, That's this was around pick 145. That's around the 12th round. This man had 17 touchdowns, had 65% of the rushing attempts in the red zone, led the league with 53 rushing attempts in the red zone. I'm better than you. My shape up better. My car fast. My drips better. My clothes fit better. My holes better. My tattoos better. I'm stronger than you, Jamal Williams, American hero, sending Green Bay home. I'm going to turn it over to you, Daryl. Talk to me about Jamal and DeAndre. <laughs> Wax off. Um, well, yeah, a little, a little fun fact there, kind of building off what you said. He led the league in run zone, and excuse me, in running back red zone attempts with 60. The next closest back had 51. So, uh, yeah, he was... He was really their guy in the red zone this year, um, and especially in goal line situations. That's where he feasted. So those 15 rushing touchdowns that he had during the fantasy season, those made up 44% of his total fantasy production. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, um, that was, you know, that that's almost kind of reminiscent of, like, that that one LeGarrette Blunt year. I think with the Patriots or yeah, the Patriots, yeah, like yeah. So you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that this was a little it was a little fluky, um, you know, like that that was kind of the story of his season, like those the, those touchdowns. Um, 
Because just like by comparison, you know, Derrick Henry scored like 12 touchdowns. Nick Chubb scored like 11. And for both of them, their touchdowns um, amounted to just a little north of 25% of their total fantasy production on the season. So, um, yeah, this was the, the, this boy was like really, really multiple standard deviations away from uh, from, from what you would expect. Um, but, you know, he got it done. He was their guy in the red zone. He was their guy on the goal line. Um, and hey, this guy, he was a he was a player who was drafted, you know, with like 14th round ADP and, you know, just bullied his way to an RB 15 finish. So this is this is like an all timer as far as uh, as far as value goes. You know, it took it probably, you know, it took Josh Jacobs season this year um, to to kind of push Jamal Williams out of the way for, you know, the the ultimate ultimate fantasy value. And oh, may, maybe there's some more math we need to do. Maybe we should have awarded that to Jamal Williams. Um, you know, he, he just ran inc- incredibly hot this year. And sometimes, sometimes fantasy players do that. And if you were lucky enough to have drafted them, then, hey, you just you just ride it out and reap the rewards. Um, looking at things for next year, you know, he is due to be a free agent in the offseason. Um, I, I don't really have any knowledge at this point about if um, about whether or not the Lions have any intentions to re-sign him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up back there. But, you know, as far as right now goes, I think the best case scenario for him for next year is to end up back on the Lions because that is a team that, that you know, trusts him and he they wouldn't have a reason to move away from him for that goal line role. Um, you know, and so his production, you know, when you talk about him, the other side of that coin is DeAndre Swift, right? And... You, you, you mentioned DeAndre's stats. I think the biggest one was that, like, he finished the year with a 28% rushing share on on the year for um, for Detroit. And, like, that yeah. is just – that's not at all what you were paying for um, during during draft season. You know, he was – this was a guy who was going anywhere from, like, the 11th overall pick to, like, the 14th, 15th overall pick. So – his season was a huge disappointment. Um, part of it was part of it was down to injury, you know, actually like legit missing games. Part of it was, you know, when he actually came back from injury, it seemed like they were reluctant to ramp him up and and and, and use him. Um, I don't I don't really have an explanation for what that was about because um, between him, Craig Reynolds, Jamal Williams. And Justin Jackson, you know, DeAndre Swift was he he's the best playmaker they have coming coming out of the backfield. And, you know, save for Jamison Williams, you know, he's probably the best playmaker on that team. You know, the 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 guy who's most likely to get the ball in his hands and take it to the house. So I'm not I'm I'm not really sure. I, I think maybe those injuries were hampering him more than like the coaching staff or whatever would let on. Um, definitely turning a disappointing fantasy season, but next year, you know, he come back, he comes back healthy, pre- presuming he comes back healthy. I'm betting that his ADP is going to be very depressed 
um, next year where you're able to get your hands on him in, I don't know, somewhere between the third, fourth, and fifth round. He might be very much a buy low during draft season next year, um, depending to where that ADP falls. And I won't be I won't be too hesitant to take him. You know, if you're telling me he's a fifth round pick next year, I think I'd push that button on 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 that next year. Um anything in the first two rounds though, after after this whole injury situation he showed this year and last year, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to buy into that. But um at the right price, he's a guy I'd be looking at next year. Yeah, going back to your quick note or your note on um, Jamal Williams, I think it would be a good decision for him personally and also for his fantasy outlook if he did come back to Detroit. Uh, uh, obviously, the the staff trusts him, and he, I mean, maybe he has that same role, maybe not as many red zone attempts, but obviously, when you have fifty three rushing attempts like in the it just in the red zone like that offense is doing something good enough to get there to to that uh area so that that's just my last thought on him in regards to deandre swift it was also interesting that he had 13 red zone targets and that was the third most for running backs so it seems as though detroit was just hanging out in the red zone and when they were they were looking for running backs um i think the the thing that could be the difference here is if DeAndre Swift is healthy for next year and from what we've seen of him, he looks like obviously a more dynamic back than Jamal, Craig Reynolds, and um, who is it, Josh? Justin Jackson. Let's, let's, yeah, jo- Justin Jackson, there we go. I'm going to say Josh Kelly. He's in uh, Los Angeles. But, yeah, he's a more dynamic back than all those guys, so – I just feel as though if those 17 touchdowns were more so, you know, maybe 12 for Jamal and like three to five of those went to DeAndre, we're looking at him in a different light. And I mean, it's easy to to say that in Monday morning, you know, running back or quarterback, if you will. But this man is more dynamic. So I'm interested in DeAndre Swift next year if the price is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, Jamal also, uh, we, we joked about it all year. He benefited from guys going down at the one, two, three yard line. Right. Um, <laughs> after having gained uh, 60 yards and, and whatnot. So, you know, he, he got a lot of bunnies for that, that. That's for sure. And that kind of stuff is always due for a regression from, from year to year. Absolutely. Salute to Mr. Still Your Touchdown. Absolutely. We move on to number 16. That was Alvin Kamara. He has 790 rushing yards on 200 attempts, two rushing touchdowns, and, of course, 56 receptions for 487 yards and two touchdowns there. Talk to me about Alvin. Well, just a a very perplexing, disappointing Scratch your head ass season uh, from 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 Kamara. You know his ADP was 13th overall, which which put him at the eighth running back coming off the board, and he did not repay that with this um, with this RB 16 finish. You know it was an ugly season from from this guy, and he's been one of the best fantasy assets over the last four to five years. Like you know he's. 
this man is goaded in the fantasy streets. So like, I just want to, I just want to say that like first and foremost, um, kind of breaking down his season over the first half of the year, he averaged 19.5 points per game. And that, that was over six games. And that was good for running back seven um, as far as the points per game uh, average goes. So he started off the season and things looked kind of okay. You know, like he was, you thought like maybe things were, were, were on track. And then over the second half of the season, that 19.5 points per game dropped to 10.3 over, over, you know, the final, his final eight games of the season. So, I mean, just, yeah, the, the bottom really, really just fell out. And I am not entirely sure what there is to, exp- you know, if there's one overarching explanation for it, you know, it wasn't the best offense in the world this past year. Um, you know, you got the Taysom Hill package there. Um, you know, Jawan Johnson was eaten in uh, when, when it came to scoring touchdowns as well. Rashid Shaheed came on. Um, so did Olave. Uh, I saw like I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think there's one thing I could put my finger on to kind of to kind of explain this away but i just know that those those of us who drafted him and you know you felt like you got a good deal on him um depending on when depending on when you drafted like because like if you were doing say um you know your managed league drafts or best ball drafts like in late june through like mid mid july ish you were able to get alvin kamara in like um late second early third round you know like there was his his stock was down and then as we got closer to the season and his you know his stock caught a little steam and he he just he didn't live up to to, to that steam he he didn't even live up really to that he kind of barely only lived up to that second third round uh draft capital that you had to put into him um kind of earlier in the draft season window um when I'm thinking about him for next year, oh boy, you know, he is probably due, probably going to be due for a suspension due to, um, due to a fight that he had in Vegas. I want to say it is. Um, but yeah, they basically, they got him on 4k. Um, they got him in 4k, um, knocking somebody out and <laughs> it's looking like, you know, not 4k. The, the way things played out, he was able to get through this season without, um, without any discipline from the league, it looks like the way things are going to go with, you know, his court schedule and all that, that, you know, this upcoming season, it's going to be time to pay the piper on that. So when you mix that in to whatever it was that caused this drop in production this year, oh man, the outlook for him is not that great uh, go- going into next year. Yeah, going into next year, Fantasy Pros already has rankings out for 2023, and they have him as RB22 right now, uh, just behind or just above like James Conner, Javante Williams, and Tyler Algier. So, yeah, next year they're looking at him as an RB2. But back to this past season, my first note was just sigh. Like that's that's my initial thought on Alvin Kamara's <laughs> season. 
Uh, the big the big difference or big note here is that his first four seasons, he averaged around 100 targets. And this season and last season, he's averaged around 72. So that's 25% of the targets like that's not being seen as compared to other seasons. So there's an expectation that obviously things will not be as good unless the offense is more efficient and he's scoring more touchdowns. But that was not the case. Like the offense just was not that good. Didn't have many uh, bright spots, if you will. And, you know, going to next year is just considering the court case, as you mentioned, if there's going to be any suspension handed down by the NFL on that. And if for some reason there isn't, I think him as an RB22 coming into the season, I think that's a little low, but I think they're factoring in some suspension or court time or some kind of court decision or something factoring into that. Yeah, yeah. And it could it just be as simple as, you know, Drew Brees retired, those check downs kind of dried up, and that's that's, you know, a large that that yeah. that's that explains a large part of the um of the drop in production from him. Could could it just be that simple? I think that's a definitely a huge part of the target uh situation of it because Winston and well Winston more so isn't known as a guy that dumps it off, if you will, but yeah, that's that's all I got on Alvin, man. Yeah. Come back to us next year, man. Come back. Let's move on. RB17 on the season was Travis Etienne. He had 213 attempts for 1,108 yards. Pretty good stuff for a rookie at 5.2 yards a carry. Had five touchdowns rushing. Had 33 receptions, 299 yards receiving. Talk to me about Travis. Right. So just just overall, you know, as you as you just mentioned, you know, a solid season, solid season from from a rookie, and you know, ADP wise, he was going off the board 39th overall, which would have put him uh, which put him at the 19th running back coming off the board. And he hit you with a running back 17 finish. So you more or less, you more or less got what you paid for there. Um, he was expected to be about a middle of the road RB2. And that's that's what you got. Um, you know, much like, you know, I guess uh kind of like the lower, the lower tier Aaron Jones kind kind of thing. You know, you can't, he didn't, he couldn't have really disappointed you too much, but he didn't uh he he didn't just blow the expectations out of the water. Um, he was just you got what you paid for, um, and he was more or less steady throughout the year as well, um, mm-hmm. averaging twelve point seven points per game through the first half of the season, twelve point two points per game through the second half of the season. Um, and the reason why I had written that down and 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 you know I was gonna chuck that because. For some reason, I felt that over the second half of the season, he kind of started to come on, but then the numbers didn't really bear that out. So, um, but yeah, I, I I still thought that was worthy of of a mention. Um, a couple things that kind of I think bear mentioning as well. You know, he only had five rushing touchdowns, and he had no receiving touchdowns on the year. 
I think that man could be due for a little regression in that aspect coming coming back next year. Like I feel like I feel like I can recall several times with him either having touchdowns called back or him going down um kind of short of the goal line or him fumbling. Um like kind of near <laughs> near the goal line. Like I can I, I feel like I have those those memories. So you know, you you fold that into the fact that he was tied for ninth in total running back red zone touches. You know that, that that's targets and rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. So you know he was he was getting the ball a decent bit um, in 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 the red zone and in the scoring areas. So you know I would like to have seen a little more. I would like to have seen like a couple of just true bust out games from him. But I think that um, I think that his arrow is kind of mildly pointed pointed up for for next year because like once James Robinson left town, you know, Etienne more or less became the show there, and you know, like I said earlier, with a little bit of regression luck going in his favor, you know, he could turn that five touchdowns into you know nine, ten, twelve. Or, or or something like that. I see that being within his realm of uh, his realm of possibility. So, um, I'd be I'd be looking to get my hands on him next year. I'm not going to reach for him or anything like that, but I I would certainly be interested in getting my hands on him next year. I'm in full agreement on you on that part about you know being able to have him on my squad. And to your point on the red zone um, numbers there. He had 41 rushing attempts in the red zone and let some of the guys that were around him. Well, basically it was five guys ahead of him, right? So Jamal Williams had 53 attempts. As we discussed, he had 14 rushing touchdowns. Austin Eckler had 46 attempts, 11 touchdowns. Miles Sanders, 44 attempts, 10 touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, 43 attempts, seven touchdowns. Nick Chubb, 41 attempts, nine touchdowns. And as we said, Travis had 41 and he had four touchdowns. So, I mean, one of these guys is not like the others as far as a stat wise, yeah. but just as dynamic, as good as these other guys. So, yeah, there, there fully could be, you know, a regression here, if you will, up, if you will. So, where he's getting yeah. these touchdowns. Now, another thing that was interesting to me was that these guys that are around him all had at least one reception in the red zone with the exception of Miles Sanders. And also um, he had four receptions, but he didn't have any touchdowns and only three yards. So again, I think there's opportunity for him to improve upon that. And yeah, Travis Etienne, I think this was a great rookie season for him and I'm interested in his production for next year. Yep. Let's continue Running back 18 on the year was James Conner. Looks like I spelled his name wrong there on the sheet. But we got the numbers for James Conner. 183 attempts, 782 rushing yards for seven touchdowns. Had 46 receptions for 300 yards and a touchdown receiving. Talk to me about James. Right. So James Conner, ADP 28th. Coming off the the twenty eighth player overall, coming off the board, um, and that equated to the fifteenth running back being taken off the board 
on average. And, you know, he finishes the year RB18. So about in the range of where, where you were drafted him. And that's not a bad finish considering that he missed three games throughout the, throughout the year. So, you know, to, to still put up um, numbers to finish RB18 with three games missed, not bad at all. Um, the, the, the thing that really stuck out to me was, you know, the way he, the way he carried fantasy teams over the second half of the season, he was fifth in running back points per game over the second half of, of the season, which that ain't, that, that ain't, that ain't bad at all. That, that ain't Mm -hmm. bad at all. You were able to, um, you know, if you had him on your teams, you were able to kind of, kind of ride him in your RB2, RB1 spot, um, d- depending on how injuries and all that stuff shook out for you. Uh, he, he, he was there. He was there to, to, to help you carry the load. Um, and that was largely on the back of kind of some absurd usage rates that, that he had to, uh, to, to end the year. Like once, once he came back and they got rid of, uh, who was it? Was it Keontae Ingram? Um, Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, yeah. They got rid of Eno Benjamin, and they really just kind of relegated Keontae Ingram to the bench, and James Conner was getting beyond a um, beyond a bell cow workload. I mean, he finished the season with a 74% rush share, and that's with having missed three games. Like, that's, <laughs> that's insane. Dang, that's insane. Yeah, that's that 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 really is insane. And so, you know, he really he really and truly kind of ended up being a bit of a bargain um throughout the you know, oh, if you look at the year and like as a whole, I think he kind of ended up being a bargain because yeah, he kind of he kind of handicapped you a little bit during the first half of the year, but if you were able to either trade for him or you held on to him, you know, you may do during those games that he missed. And then you, um, and then you went back to him once he got back in this, this, this man really, really paid off um, that, that draft capital to, to my way of thinking now spinning him, spinning his outlook forward to next year. Uh, I guess the, you know, he, he is still under contract with the Cardinals they got a new coaching staff coming in though, um, which still hasn't been announced. Actually, um, man, it's getting late over there, and they still right. have a new coach. Yeah, right. but um, but yeah, so he has a new coaching staff coming in. Not exactly sure what that's what the offense as a whole is going to look like. Whether the new coaching regime is one of those ones that's like Kingsbury that will um, that will just ride a guy um, for you know to bell cow numbers. So you know his his outlook is a little iffy for next year, but if things break right, I think he could you know he could be going as like a solid RB two for you uh, for you next year come come draft season. I don't think I don't think he'll drop to like the bottom of the dead zone like that that sixth seventh eighth round uh, of running backs, but I could see him dropping like fifth sixth round kind of thing, and I think that could. I'd, I'd be giving him a look in in that range, that, uh, for sure. Yeah the the thing with him was 
when he got back from injury and their bye week that they had, um, and of course got rid of Eno Benjamin, like that man was <laughs> out there dang near every play, taking every snap and dang near every carry, as you mentioned. Like from that time he got back in week nine to the end of the season, he was the RB4 during that time. And let me read you off his finishes during that time. Running back 19, 2, 15, 4, missed a game, 6, 12, 4, 15. That may have been a bye week, but either way, that's eight weeks in which the lowest output he had was running back 19. Man, probably the only other guy during that stretch that had a similar output like that with ranges of two to 19 may have been maybe Austin Eckler and that's it. So yeah, yeah. James, James Connor, like that second half of the season just was outstanding for your teams. Now, like you said, going forward, it's going to be new coaching staff, new regime in there. We don't know who it is yet. You're going to be looking at number one, what are they doing in the draft? If they end up getting a running back, my outlook on Connor going forward wouldn't be as high, but even with that, Kyler Murray probably isn't going to start the season from that injury. So, you know, James Conner's still going to be out here, but, you know, the output from a fantasy perspective may not have as much upside. But if he's going, if Conner's there, they don't do any significant pickups and he's there, like you said, in the fifth or sixth round, I'm open to getting him. Yeah, that's how I'm, I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Right on, my man. Let's continue this. The next running back we have is Kenneth Walker the third. Let me get over to his stats here. Ken Walker had 199 carries, 936 yards for nine touchdowns. Also had 26 receptions for 155 yards. Talk to me about Ken Walker. Right. So Ken Walker, ADP number 110. 110th pick averaging coming off the board, which would have been good for RB 38. So he absolutely paid off that draft capital. Now that was largely built off the back of Rashad Penny going down, um, going down due to injury. But that's kind of why you were drafting Kenneth Walker in the first place. Right. Um, Rashad Penny had, you know, had a well-known injury history, so to draft his to draft his backup and somebody who had the athletic profile and the college production profile of Kenneth Walker, yeah, you know, and given the right circumstances, you're going to put a chip on 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 that guy and just see if it pays off, and it did, it it really did. He finished the year um, with the third most running back running with the third most. Red zone touches for running back, which, hey, that's they used him like once. W- once he was the guy, he he was the guy. And if you think about it, you, you know there. Once Rashad Penny went down, because I I personally think Rashad Penny's a very good running back. You know, he's just he just has problems uh, staying away from injury. So it's natural, yeah, he's going to be competing for touches with Kenneth Walker. But once Rashad Penny went down, I mean. You know, Walker is competing with DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Like for Sharpin, I mean, I mean, uh, Ken Walker is like 
obviously the more dynamic playmaker out of that bunch. So, you know, it made sense that they that, that they shifted over to using him. And the Seattle offense was it was, you know, just a little north of decent this year. Um, showed some real flashes at times and it kind of came down to earth towards the back half of the year. But still it was very much at least at the very worst a league average offense and he got a good bit of of the work. So you know, he combined that up. He he took that opportunity and he was productive. He, he was very much productive with it. Um, Rashad Penny, I believe, checks notes. Yes, Rashad Penny is a free agent next year. So we could be in a Kenneth Walker to the moon situation for yeah. for, for for next year. You know, it's gonna, you know, as as we prefaced. Uh, the last episode with when we talked about running backs one through 12, there is a lot in the air as far as the free agent situation goes at running back this year. And, um, and also with the draft this year, we know that, and we know that the Seahawks are not averse at all to taking a running back early in the draft. And where did that Denver pick end up being that Denver pick has to be in the top eight that they got. Um, it, it might be even earlier than that. So, you know, for Seattle to draft B. John Robinson next year, I do not think that's outside the realm of possibility. I think it'd be silly for them to do that, but you know, they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round. So, you know, Pete Carroll don't care. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, if basically all that to say, there is a way that things could shake out to where it could be Kenneth Walker to the moon come next year, um, next year's draft season. His and his situation is definitely, definitely one to keep an eye on um, throughout the off season. Absolutely, it's definitely worth seeing what's going to happen if they're going to use any draft capital on the running back. And I agree with you. It would be silly if they were to do that. But with Kenneth Walker from week six to 17, um, he was RB 11 during that time, averaged around 16.1 points. If he averaged 16.1 points over the full season, he would have been around a RB eight. And so coming into the 2023 season draft rankings on fantasy pros, they already have him as running back six. So um, <laughs> that's telling me that they're not, that they're obviously seeing him as the main guy. And even if Penny comes back, he's going to be the show. Yeah. Another note on Ken Walker. This man was explosive, man. He had 27, 10 yard plus rushes, nine of them, nine rushes over 20 yards five over 30 yards, three over 40 yards, and three over 50 yards. Shut him down. You can't hold him. Get off of him. Word to LL Cool J and the Any Given Sunday soundtrack. Yes, sir. He's got a he's got a lot of um he's got a a, a lot of Saquon in him uh with the with, with the way his his production comes, you know, it get that whole thing of, you know, Rush for one yard, for negative two yards, for four yards, for negative one yards, fifty yards. You know, <laughs> so like he's got a, he's got a lot of that boom bust 
in there. But the, but but like I mentioned earlier, you know, once they do get into scoring position, they they're not afraid to to give that man the ball. So so yeah, I can't I can't quibble a whole whole lot with that with that ranking that you just mentioned from fantasy pros because yeah, like like we talked about, things could very well pan out to where he's the undisputed number one on that team. And so, you know, that that is in the cards. And if if he gets that, yeah, that, that running back six draft capital, I think won't won't be too far off. For sure. Let's continue running back 20. That's Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon finished the season with only 70 rushing attempts for 285 yards and a touchdown there. But you know why we here with Jared McKinnon, 54 receptions, 512 yards, and eight touchdowns. Talk to me on Jared. Well, first and foremost, like I wanna I wanna give this man like a huge shout out because it was like maybe somewhere between like three and three, four years ago when he left the Vikings and he signed that contract with the 49ers. And he was, you know, the way things were playing out, he was going to be the number one in that in that 49ers offense, you know, in that in that Shanahan offense. So it was to the moon with him from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, that was his big break as a pro football player. And then he tore his ACL, I believe, in the offseason and just really had a cursed tenure in San Francisco uh, from from the jump. So to see him, you know, be able to rebound from that these years later, you know, this man playing in the Super Bowl as a as a key contributor to, you know, one of the best offenses in the league, it's good to see that he got that bounce back for him. I was I was very happy to see that for him. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. So Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon finishing 20th this year, you know, a lot of this is just due to what this man did over the back half of the season. Cause you know, during the first half of the season, he was, it was, it was a three man committee there. It was him. It was Clyde Edwards, Alaire, it was Isaiah Pacheco, you know, and basically Clyde Edwards, Alaire was the only one to do anything because he just had the touchdown luck um, out of them. So, you know, it was really, it was really quiet for Pacheco and McKinnon to start off the season. Then, Clyde Edwards goes down, and during over that second half of the season, McKinnon was eighth in PPR points per game over the second uh, over the second half of the season, like eighth for running backs. Um, that's he put he put teams on his back and carried you to fantasy to to the fantasy promised land. The thing is, though, um, the way. Well, the way it played out in my managed leagues, as far as my experience with with McKinnon, was who was going to be the first person to believe that this was real with him, right? Because he he started off having, you know, (laughs) he he had an explosive week, and it's just like, okay, I guess, all right, I'll throw a little fab on him and pick him up, but he's not going in my lineup. Then he does it again the next week. You're like – Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe I got to put him in. And then once he gets into your lineup, you never looking back kind of thing. You know, he, 
he had a he had a miracle season, especially for those of us who were struggling at running back um, through the first like the first half to um, yeah through about the first half of the season. Um, you know, a lot of it was born, like you said, out of the passing game. This man was scoring receiving touchdowns like in the red zone, like on an almost weekly basis. It was it was it was unreal how he was able to keep doing this. Um, and it kind of, you know, it kind of mirrors the way things finished with their season last year. You know, there was much more of a rotation early in the year, but once it got towards winning time and whenever whenever it was time to, you know, get serious, uh, so to speak, that's the guy they rode. And that more or less is what played out, um, is what played out this year as well. Um I do not Oh, McKinnon is a free agent at the end of this season. So, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what's going to go down with him in the offseason. Uh I'm not sure how I feel about him landing on any other team outside of outside of the Chiefs. Um but if he does end up back with them, well, I'm not even sure how I feel about that either. But, uh, but yeah, this as a as a one off season, or actually, if you want to package it with last year too, these two seasons of just this kind of quirky late in the year production, like this is almost kind of a it could possibly be like a one of one kind of run that this guy had over two consecutive back halves of seasons. But you know, he was a huge story he, in in uh, in in fantasy coming down the stretch of this year. And if he didn't win you a chip, he very well could have been the one that was responsible for getting you into the playoffs and getting you deep in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, with Jerry McKinnon, that's that was pretty much what it was. It was a tell of two seasons. It was the RB 47 week one to 11, RB four from week 12 to 17. The notes I have here is that he is the late season god. During that time of the five weeks from 12 to 17, 28 receptions, 300 yards, seven receiving touchdowns. Man, you'd be I, happy with that from a wide receiver. How you average seven receiving touchdowns over five weeks, bro? Or six weeks, I'm sorry. The finishes were 47, 17, running back one, running back one. 19 and then six just a late season closer for you if you had them on your championship squads or your playoff squads yeah the late season hammer (laughs) all right let's continue running back 21 was ezekiel elliott zeke came in here with 223 uh rushing attempts 866 yards for 12 touchdowns also has 17 receptions for a measly 92 yards. Daryl, talk to me about Zeke. So with Zeke, I feel like this year for him was, it was largely made on the back of um, of vulturing Tony Pollard's touchdowns. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the deal, right? I think Zeke got a lot more slander this year than he should have um he looked he he was he was fine this year like 
he was he he was fine. He was very good in short yardage situations. And I think a lot of times, you know, if, if I'm being honest, a, a lot of times in those short yardage situations, I think he is the one to go to over Tony Pollard. You know, if it's like third and goal from the one yard line or you just need a yard, I I think he's he he's probably the guy that you want to lean on. And he was good in those situations um, th- this year. And that's kind of what the the bulk of his fantasy production was uh, was based off of. Um, the funny thing is, I, I man, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think he had a touchdown that was longer than like eight yards this year. Like all of pretty much ninety percent of his touchdowns, if not more, were bunnies um, this year. But <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. All we care about is really knowing that he has that role in a pretty damn good offense, and that made him that made him you know usable through mm-hmm. through, through throughout the year. Um, you know, I it's no it's no revelation to say you know the days of the days of Zeke being an RB one are are done like that 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 part of his career is over, but. You know, he found he found other ways to get it done this year. As far as his outlook for next year, oh man. It for from my perspective, it's really, really truly gonna depend on his price. In managed leagues, I'm probably just fading Zeke. Um I'm I'm probably fading him next year. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him in um in some best ball leagues, but as you know, as far as um First leagues where I'm having to push the button to start to make a decision to start him in a given week. Uh, I don't I, I, I can't really see myself being too being too keen on doing that. Yeah, I, I think you summarize Zeke extremely well there. And we even touched upon it when we talked about Tony Pollard um, in last week's episode. My notes for Zeke are basically that uh, that YouTube clip with the guy with the Phillies hat on trying the Popeye's chicken sandwich for the first time. I mean, it's all right. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much all I had to say about Zeke. I mean, you already talked about how, like, he just – I mean, you could call him a vulture, whatever it is, but just the, taking it in basically eight yards or less for most of his touchdown production this season, it tells you all you need to know about how Dallas was using Zeke and – you know, they're the way they wanted to use him. So the main thing you're looking at is if they re-sign Tony Pollard and for some reason they don't, and I don't know his recovery time for his injury, you'll be looking at what other running back they might add. And, you know, that'll kind of determine how you'll view Zeke for next year. Yeah. What is that third running back's name that they have? Um, Is it Mac or something like that? I completely forgot his name. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll look it up at some point. But he came in for a game uh, th- this year, and he looked he looked kind of okay, you know. Um, and, and anyway, if he'll be an interesting one to look at if the Cowboys end up not bringing Tony Pollard back, which I think is a is a real possibility um, given what they're paying Zeke. But anyway, anyway. We move on. Running back 22 on the season was Devin Singletary. He had 171 rushing attempts, 793 yards, 
with five touchdowns and then 37 catches for 277 yards and a receiving touchdown as well. Talk to me about Devin. Yeah, it seems like the arc of his season was kind of interesting and not really great for him. You know, he he started off the year kind of kind of solid, kind of kind of okay. Um, you know, he was in in that committee that he was in with um well, you know, it started off with him, Zach Moss and um and and James Cook. Um, you know, he he was the lead guy in that situation, but one is Buffalo, they are uh high passing offense, you know, they they pass more than league average in pretty much every situation. So, you know, there wasn't that hammer usage that you were looking for there. They don't really tend to run the ball in the red zone uh, for touchdowns. And if they do, more often than not, it's going to be Josh Allen who's who's doing it. And, you know, a lot of the concern that people may have had for Devin Singletary coming to the year is kind of what you saw throughout the year. Now, he did – he did outperform his. Uh, he did outperform his ADP. I, I believe. I don't. I don't have it right here in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he outperformed his his ADP this year. But then, as the season wore on, you know, they got rid of Zach Moss. They sent him to the Colts, and James Cook did start to gain more usage towards the towards the tail end of the year to the point where, you know, it was almost like neither one of them were really usable. Uh, down down the stretch of, of of this season. Now you know Singletary is due to be a um, he's due to be a free agent in the off season. Don't really have an idea on whether um, on whether Buffalo will be looking to re-sign him. I mean, as far as their offense goes, they have a more pressing need to throw some assets into a legit number two receiver to pair with to pair with Stefan Diggs. So I don't know how willing they'll be to to drop a bag on a running back. Um and even if they do decide to drop a bag on the running back, I don't think that I'm not exactly sure that Singletary is the guy that you would that you would do that with, especially given the um especially given the 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 number and the talent of free agents that that are out there so his um his outlook for next year is super duper in 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 the air um you know if you had him on your team this year in fantasy you you know you were you were probably all right you know it was like you know vanilla ice cream well no it was it was more um it's vanilla frozen yogurt you know it was it was okay it's if that's all you have, it's better than not having it. But you know, you you'd rather be having something else. <laughs> oh man, player being compared to vanilla yogurt—that's <laughs> good stuff. Hey man, uh, Devin, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Froyo solid, man. Devin Singletary. Uh, so yeah, twenty twenty one last season, fifty one point two yards per game rushing on 11.1 attempts per game. 2022 season, 51.2 yards per game. In 2022, you want to guess how many attempts he had per game? 11. 11.1 attempts per game. 
My man had the Spider-Man meme season (laughs) rushing again. (laughs) The only reason why it didn't equal out to the same amount of yards is because they played one less game because of the injury that happened um, during during that game early on. So, yeah, this this man was pretty much the same production Spider-Man meme. Um, The only difference is that last season he had two more touchdowns. So if you gave him two more touchdowns this season, he would be RB20. And last season, he was RB20. So, I mean, you pretty much got the same dude that you got last year and prospects going forward, um, as you mentioned. Um, James Cook is still here. So, hey, it's it, it will be interesting, to say the least. Yeah, in a dynasty setting, like I'm not excited about him at all. Yeah. For sure. And even keeper leagues. Yeah. All right. The last running back we'll discuss here in the top 24 is since we discussed DeAndre Swift at 23, we had David Montgomery, 194 rushing attempts with 780 yards, five rushing touchdowns. He also had 34 receptions for 316 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery, what you got? You know he's he's fairly he's fairly silent. He, I'm man. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm not I'm not tired. I'm not flagging or anything like that. It's just that like this tier of running back like really does does nothing for me. Like I'm not excited about about this tier of guys <laughs> at all. You know Zeke Singletary Montgomery. Um, um, but anyway, you know one thing I can you know. I can't say about him is when he was when he would play the Bears used him man like he was he he was their guy for 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 better or for worse I happen to be of the opinion that Khalil Herbert is a more talented running back than him at, at least as far as the the running game goes you know Khalil Herbert has a ways to go to prove himself as a pass catcher so I can see why um I can see why well let me not say that. Um, I don't know that Herbert isn't a good receiver. It's just that they don't use him in that way. So, you know, I can, I can see why Montgomery's participation in the past game was what it was. But just, you know, if you had him on your team this year, I don't know what you were expecting. This seems right. This seems like bang on about what I had expected for him coming into this year, you know, he's he's a running back on what was a very low ceiling offense who also happens to be paired up with, I don't know, if he's not the number one, he's the number two um, rushing quarterback by ability in the league. You know, big things were just never in the cards for Montgomery this year, and that's kind of what that's kind of what the season bore out. And you know, you couple you you couple that with um, him having to sit for a game or two with injuries, and you know, he honestly he probably fin. This is probably a top end outcome for him to actually finish um, to to actually finish in the top twenty four um, this year, but. I didn't have him in many leagues. I don't think I had him in any league, like even best ball. But 
you know, I can't imagine that going into any week that anybody was just like over the moon excited to be starting him. And his season kind of kind of bore that out. He is he will also be a free agent um next year. Yep. So yet another guy whose future is murky. I kind of care where he lands just because you have to if you're if you're grinding fantasy properly, but I'm having I'm hard pressed to think of a situation where I'm just like, yeah, I just gotta get my hands on this dude in the top half of my draft. I think you were spot on on all the analysis there for David Montgomery. I'll provide a couple other numbers there. He had no top five performances, but had four RB1 performances and nine top 24 performances. Coming into the season, he was going around RB20. And as we mentioned here, he finished as RB23. If he ends up playing all all games this season, because I think he only played, what, 15 of them. So, yeah, if he plays, well, at least 16, um, as as we count per these stats, he had 11.7 points per game. So that would have put him around RB20, and he was going as RB20. So, I mean, again, the, <laughs> the meme. I mean, it's all right. Like, he basically did what was expected. He was basically RB20 on the season production wise. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what he was. So like you mentioned, I think it's interesting going forward, like where he's going to end up landing at. If he does in fact come back to Chicago, I don't see them doing that. I see them going with Herbert, assuming he's under contract and, you know, either drafting a guy or, you know, getting another cheaper guy off free agency, but yeah, keep your eyes on David Montgomery as far as where he goes in the future. Yeah, they they need they need to level up. Um, if, if it's not gonna, you know, if they're not gonna hand the keys to Herbert, um, you know, I I think they need to level up from from Montgomery, like pair Justin Fields with like a true kind of game breaker. And again, I, I think I think Khalil Herbert is 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 plenty good. I think he's plenty yeah. good, but like. Montgomery, you know, all right, to look at it from a fantasy perspective, if you were – there's no way you were playing this man at anything better than – anything higher than a flex in your roster and, like, think you were competing for a championship, like in, in, in most normal 12-team leagues, just because you know, he, was, he was solid, but on a week-to-week basis, like, what kind of ceiling were you reasonably – expecting from him you know your heart was sinking every time you looked up at a Chicago highlight on red zone because it was Justin Fields streaking down the field for another 60 yards um and you're just hoping somebody <laughs> you're just hoping somebody tripped him up on the two yard line kind of thing right <laughs> all right well that is running backs 13 through 24 I have a couple of other running backs I'll make some notes on and Darryl, feel free to um, jump in at the end on those guys and any other notes you have on any other guys. But uh, shout outs to the three rookies of Brees Hall, Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier. 
With Brees Hall, he averaged 16.4 points per game before he suffered the ACL injury. That that amount of points per game would have put him at an RB6 or 7 on the season. Um, Damian Pierce, the super run hard guy of the year. It's just that man's always dragging defenders. Um, he ended up finishing the season as 25, even though he missed, I believe, the last, what, four or five games of the season. And then, as I mentioned, with Tyler Algier having a strong finish on the season, did end up finishing with a thousand yards. Um, I'm not sure of Cordero Patterson's contract situation, but even if he's there next year with Tyler Algier, I think you'll probably see the flip of the script where Tyler is getting more work and for sure the rushing leader out of that backfield. Um, any notes on those guys or any other guys you were interested in? Well, yeah, as far as Cordero goes, I don't have him on my list of free agents, so I think I think he'll be back next year. And I think you're right that um, that Algier will, will will take over the lion's share of, at the very least, the rushing uh, the, the rushing part of that um, of that offense. Um, yeah, that was funny. The part you mentioned about uh, Damian Pierce, like the ultimate run hard. I think um, there needs to be some kind of Pro Bowl competition where you can line him up and line up um, Isaiah Pacheco and see which one of them uh, can I don't know like generate the most force or blow up the <laughs> most um, the most tackling dummies or or, or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, the, the, those two boys. Like I said earlier, um, I said it about Pacheco, but I guess it, it could apply to Damian Pierce too. Like the boys run like their feet are mad at the ground, man. I guess uh, it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> it's, it's Maybe have them running play. with some sleds or something in the competition. Yeah, yeah. Pierce is going to be an interesting one to see how this offseason plays out for him because the Texans don't have much draft capital um, invested in him, I don't think, right? Like um, – he was like a day two, day three pick, I want to say. I think he was a day two pick. Right. So, you know, you'll see. I don't believe that the Texans need to be taking a running back on day one or day two unless there's just some, like, extreme value and something goes wrong. I, I think there would be plenty fine to ride with Pierce and maybe pick somebody up off the free agent pile. But, you know, we'll have to see how, how that works out. But, you know. Damian Pierce still finishing at running back 25 this year. That's nothing to sneeze at, given where he was. Um, you know, guys, as far as, you know, guys I expect to break into this list come this time next year, you know, with a little, with a lot of bit better injury luck, you know, obviously expect Jonathan Taylor to work his way into, well, he should have been in last week's podcast. So, you know, expecting him to climb right back up the board. Brees Hall, um, like, like you said earlier, uh, you know, some, some of these other guys, you know, if I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too interested in, in many of these other guys that, that are on here, but, you know, I just want to yeah, shout out, shout out Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor, just for, at, at the very least, for the sake of, we mentioned them in our running back talks because we don't want to be overlooking um, some of the, some of the more obvious, um, some of the more obvious guys that had their seasons kind of pulled out from under them. So you know, looking forward to getting those two back this year and seeing 
exactly where they crash this list uh, come this time next year. For sure. And uh, one last shout out uh, to Javante Williams. I feel like we'll be discussing him and whoever or whatever running back is in the Denver backfield simply because of the upgrade of coach to Sean Payton. And then one other note, Cam Akers. uh, Yeah, end of the season. Great to see. I don't know what the truth is, but you're getting the same coaching staff back. So be interested to see where he lands next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that that's true as well. I got to think they bring somebody else in. But, um, but, yeah, you never know. You never know. They got a lot of work to do. Um, they, they got a lot of holes to fill, so maybe they won't be willing as willing to put a bunch of resources into upgrading the running back position. And maybe Cam will have a chance to run it back with his quarterback back and a better setup, you know, at the very least on that offensive line, that that's definitely where they need to, uh, where they need help at. So that could, that could help their overall offense and definitely help him um, as their, as their lead runner. If, if he ends up getting that job again next year. Right. Right. All right. Well, Hey, running backs, put them into the chest of drawers and closed and locked up for the 2022 NFL fantasy football season for us. We'll go ahead and look finally at our bet sheet, little DBB, um, aka the brothers battle. We'll be looking here at the Super Bowl. Of course, as mentioned, Kansas City versus Philly. Philly is a one and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 51. Daryl, any thing you have betting wise or just overall on the game you want to get out um i okay i like philly to win this game um i that's that's where i kind of that that's where i'm leaning on it it's just a matter of laying the points with them do i feel good with that but at that kind of spread um you know, I, I I think I'm a rock with Philly. That, that that's where I would go when it comes time to put it in the best sheet. I really don't have a feel for 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 that over under. If I if I had to go one way, I think I lean over. I think I lean over because one on one side, you know, even though Philly's defense is just elite, you got Mahomes on the other side, and I believe. At some point, he'll figure something out and he'll get some points. He'll get some points up. As far as Philly's offense being able to put up points, you know, it's going to become a matter of can they do anything with Chris Jones? Well, Philly has the best offensive line in the league. I don't think they shut down Chris Jones for like the whole game. You know, he he will be heard from, but the way that offense has operated this year, the way they have just found solutions, um, the way they have just found solutions game in and game out. Um, you know, they whatever you got, they got something for it, kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um I've I, you know what? I just talked myself into it. Yeah, I'm going I think I'm gonna go with the over. I think I think I'm gonna go with the over in this game, but I do think, I do think that Philly wins. I, I, I feel, I feel more comfortable uh, going with that over though. Now, now that I've 
thought it through live on the air here. Fair enough. I don't think I'm going to have any type of bets on the actual game from a spread or over under perspective. Um, I'm probably going to mess around and look at some of these props. I haven't looked in detail outside of um, one I put in on prize picks or I have it with um, some other prize picks best that I've done with uh, is Patrick Mahomes over 24 and a half uh, completions. I just think that that's going to be the key or the way for them to win this game. No disrespect to Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and then when I see the line on Bovada, I feel even more, I feel even better about it because they have it at over under for 25.5. So right. that's all I have locked in for now. I'm going to look into some numbers and do some research and probably put in a couple other props, but yeah, I'm, I think it's just going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to go back and forth and it could be just one of those classic field gold at the end to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to predict a classic, but this is one of those ones where there's no way, there's no way I'll be shocked if it, if, if it is one, um, I, I think we're I think we're gonna see some electric football, especially especially if especially if Jalen Hurts is able to really like, you know, step up and perform in this game. Because I mean, you know, looking back at his performance in that San Francisco game was really, really shaky. Right. But, you know, you can always just sit back and say, Well, yeah, that damn 49ers defense was a is a nightmare. So um it, it it makes all the sense in the world that they kind of bottled him up relative to what you're used to seeing out of that offense. I don't think KC is – I don't think KC's defense is on that level. Um, so, you know, I expect him to go out there and be able to do something. And just the overall talent on that team. Hey, I think th- – I don't have a rooting interest in this game. This is just a no lose proposition, I think. Um, as far as as far as like both of the, as far as watching this game and like both of these quarterbacks' legacy or something like that. If Mahomes wins, he beat like one of the best rosters we've seen in the NFL in in some years. If Hertz wins, this man went from getting yanked out of the national championship game for Tua to you know leading a team to the Super Bowl in the span of what three four four years something like that so mm-hmm. it's good stories to be had all around i'm just here to take it in and as i keep saying eat some queso <laughs> man we need to get you a queso sponsorship for the pod or something the way you keep talking about this dang queso <laughs> yeah man i'm really i'm really worried about the day after but that's that's monday daryl's problem <laughs> sunday daryl gonna be on that queso for sure man um well hey this is the end of us for the running backs as i mentioned we'll dive into the wide receivers next week and of course we'll discuss the big game the outcome of it maybe any of the props that we put some money on and of course go through wide receiver one through 12 and then we'll get to 13 through 24 before we get out of here daryl any last notes for the people 
Yes, enjoy your last football until um until preseason next year. Take it all in, savor it, love it. Get some jokes off on Twitter. Uh, not too mean or personal, but you know, yeah, enjoy it. Take it in. We 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 probably gonna see something special. So yeah, be there. For sure. And we getting Rihanna at halftime. Gotta love it. How did I Good. forget that? I don't know. I don't know, man. But hey, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week. I'm Derek. This is Daryl. Enjoy the big game, folks. Peace.